you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, here we are heading into the fall of the year. You know, this is a great time to be thinking about what you want 2015 to be. I mean, that's how we approach it. You don't just wait and see what happens, wait and see what shows up, wait and see how much money you make. Nope. Now's the time to decide, to create the year that you want it to be. What an exciting time. We're going to be talking about that and more today. One of the things I'm going to be telling you today is do something that doesn't work. Now, why would I say something so preposterous as that? Well, hang on. We'll talk about that. Here's some of the questions we'll be looking at. This is a carryover from last week. I promised I'd get to this. Dan, I work 12 to 16 hours a day in a job I hate to provide for my family. Got to know from somebody how 48 days took me from helpless to high achiever. I'll share that. Dan, in the three years of listening to your podcast, my wages have gone from 120,000 year gross to 461,369. I've actually got a W-2 that the gentleman sent me to show that. Someone says, how do you get back on track after you've been served a large order of barnyard fertilizer? Well, we all have times like that. We'll look at how you pull out the shovel, get back to seeing daylight. Then I do a great job. And three months later, I get a great job. And three months later, I'm bored to tears every time. Well, our quotation comes from Seth Godin. I heard him being interviewed on Dave Ramsey's Entree Leadership Podcast, and Seth says, do enough that something doesn't work. Now, why would we think that? Why would you want to purposely do something that doesn't work? Well, let me give you kind of a quick analogy. If you are always successful at what you're doing, you really don't know the limits of what you can do. Now, think about it in terms of a high jumper approaching the bar. If you clear the bar every single time, you really don't know how good you are, right? I mean, just think about it. You really don't. It's only when you raise the bar enough that you trip the bar that you then have an accurate assessment of how good you are. So it's a good thing to trip the bar once in a while. You know you're stretching. You know you're pushing your maximum capability. I love that that feeling of pushing so far that I'm into the unknown, that I do something that doesn't work. So it may seem counterintuitive, but it really is not. And if you, you don't find somebody who's always been successful at everything they tried, who's really done something extraordinary, just doesn't work that way. You know, when we try to do something that is out there, that's really an extraordinary kind of thing, we've got two potential outcomes. I'm going to be sharing more in a couple of weeks about a brand new book that's out. It's the, the, the I'll, well, I'll be helping to promote it. So I'll talk more about it when it is really released, but it is a phenomenal book. But here's a couple of things that I got out of that book. One is we have two potential outcomes when we want to do something extraordinary. If we are successful, people will say, wow, you are brave, courageous, and confident. If you fail, they're likely to say, 
You're stupid, risky, naive, arrogant. I mean, ultimately, our assessment of whether a venture we set out on is brave or stupid really does depend on the outcome. So are you going to play it safe and never attempt your big dreams? Are you going to risk and then maybe be hailed as brave, courageous, and confident? Or stupid, risky, and naive? It really doesn't matter. Just risk. Another passage in this book says, nothing is more damaging to the adventurous spirit within a man than a secure future. Ouch. Wow. Let me read that again. Nothing is more damaging to the adventurous spirit within a person than a secure future. You know, in in many ways, security is not our friend. Now we got some questions today if we're going to deal with people who have had long-term employment places, but you know, security and as much as we seemingly look for that, it really isn't our friend. It's more likely to bury our adventurous spirit and our passion for being fully alive. That's why Seth Godin says, do enough that something doesn't work. It's in doing enough that something doesn't work that we find new opportunities, new solutions and new adventures. Well, let's share some success stories. We've got a bunch of them today. We'll go through a, a slew of them here, and then we'll get to those hot, poignant questions that I shared that we're going to be getting to as well. David asked, now David's been around for a long time. We've been friends for probably six or seven years, I suppose. Uh, David is a extraordinarily gifted vocalist, musician, singer. Amazing. His voice is just Wow, right up there with anybody who you could imagine in terms of excellence. But he also does other things. He's not just sitting there hoping to get some big contract in that. He's doing a lot of other things. One of the things that he's done, he says, I wanted to share what the past year of my life has been taken up with. My brother-in-law, Eric, and I now have our StatGuard Plus on HomeDepot.com as of 30 minutes ago. You may not realize it, but you've been a huge help with your books and podcasts. Now, that's a really cool thing. And incidentally, he says, now we need some direction on how to drive traffic. Can we buy you lunch soon? Pick your brain for direction. Yeah, I shot him a note back. We've already got a lunch scheduled for a couple weeks out here to look at that. But what it is, it's a, a plastic, a clear plastic cover that goes over your thermostat and then it locks in place. So not everybody can walk up and change the temperature, but it's got a little combination lock. So nobody needs to be carrying a key with them combination lock. So it's just a nice improvement on certainly other things that are out there. But again, I tell you frequently on here, you can become wealthy by doing something 10% better than what it's being done. Now doesn't have to be brand new, never done before, just 10% better. That's what David has done with this. Now it's on home Depot as a product. I mean, that's pretty stinking cool. And so we're going to be looking at some other distribution methods for that as well. David, thanks for sharing your recent success. I look forward to brainstorming with you on that. Ryan says, first of all, just want to thank you so much for all the wonderful information and inspiration you share. It's so uplifting and motivating to listen to you every week. I've been casually listening to you and other motivational entrepreneurs for about two years now. Well, I'm ready to stop being casual for years. I've yeah, I've been talking about million dollar ideas. I usually abandon them as soon as I hit the first obstacle. But now I am excited. Last week, you challenged us to spend 30 minutes reading and listening to challenging and and motivating materials every day for six months. You said that if we committed to that, we would see our income double in six months. Dan, I believe you are right. I'm only on day three and I'm already seeing the world and my ideas differently. 
You offered to take any of your listeners out to lunch at the end of six months and discuss the experience. Well, I look forward to buying you lunch when the time comes. Thanks so much for the challenge. I started a little side business, paperwoodshop.com. Have some other ideas I'm focusing on right now. Can't wait to hear you share my success story six months from now. Thanks again, Ryan. Well, thanks for your note, Ryan. I'm getting a lot of notes from people there, and I'm delighted that so many of you are, in fact, taking up that challenge. I mean, here's another one. This comes from John. says, Dan, I think your challenge from your podcast is ambitious, but I'm willing to do it. I'll even turn it around for you. If I can keep my current income nine months from now, I'll buy you lunch. Here's the catch. It's on the condition that I'm in a different career in a different state. I'm in the process of learning web development with the goal of changing careers and moving out of state. However, I have no experience in this field and I'm not confident that too many companies would be willing to hire me. I've read 48 days to the work you love. And I was wondering what advice on top of self-improvement in your book you have for working in another state in an industry. I have no experience in thanks. Well, John, your note reminded me of one. It just struck a chord and I went back and did a quick search and I found a note from Joshua Kemp. Now this came back in May of 2013. So this was a year ago, but it was such a, a cool note that I went back and grabbed it real quick. And I think it'll encourage you. Josh starts out dear Dan. I want to say thank you for your books and podcasts. I feel like I get to sit down and have coffee with you every Friday. I've been listening for two and a half years. I am a farrier. Now I'll stop there a minute because that may not be a common term to some of you who did not grow up on a farm as I did. What's a farrier? Well, it's really a blacksmith and more. It's somebody who has more knowledge of, horses and just being able to put shoes on but essentially that's it i'm a farrier and josh sent me photos at the time of him firing up the forge and doing some of the work he says i thought i could never get out of this line of work but thanks to listening to you i've taught myself to be a software developer studying 21 hours every week for the past seven months i blogged about the entire journey three times a week okay so he studied how to be a software developer 21 hours a week for seven months Currently a blacksmith, but he says, I just launched my resume site, joshuakemp.net, on May 23rd to try to get hired, and I've already received two job offers with several other possible opportunities. Thank you so much, Dan, for teaching me to take action, be remarkable, and then incredible things happen. Well, there you go, John. That's your encouragement. Sure, you can become a software developer, web developer. Study. Show yourself to be competent in that. Then position yourself, go through the job search steps. You know, we've got lots of information about that. Of course, in 48 days and other things, how to do the job search. But you can do that. Joshua's a great example of that. He did go on to accept one of those jobs. I uh, haven't had an update from him in a while. I need to shoot him a note just to see how it's going now after a year of having made that radical change from being a farrier to being a, a software developer. Now, this is a note from John Henderson. I mentioned John recently got a note, a handwritten note from his kids who said, you know, dear Dan Miller, you know, thanks for helping our dad find the work he likes. Thanks to you. We can live anywhere we want. It was something like that. Anyway, really cute note. But John wrote a note to me. Now, there's going to be an an extension of this really in that I'm running as a guest blog. This is going to run as a guest blog. August 28th. 
So depending on when you're listening to this, you can find the August 28th blog. It's going to be a guest post from John Henderson, but it's titled how 48 days took me from helpless to high achiever. I'm just going to read you a little bit, a segment of this. You will have a $1.7 million budget. I could hardly believe what I was hearing. I knew the interview went well, but the reality of how well it went didn't hit me until this point. I could not help but think about how drastically my life had changed. If in 1997, you had asked anyone who knew me what I would be in 2013, they would have probably said dead. Even if you could have gotten in touch with my mother, I highly doubt that her answer would have included college professor. She would not have said he will build and teach a new two-year degree at a college and make well over six figures per year. You see, by 1997, I had acquired many different labels, very honestly. Some of the descriptions of me were high school dropout, drunk, homeless, criminal, and jerk, to name a few. I decided that life was out to get me. The game was rigged, and the only way to get ahead in life was to cheat. So I cheated. I stole the things I wanted. I drank my way to happiness, and I spent time with whoever was around. I had no purpose or drive, no guidance, no plan. There was no part of me that wanted anything to do with self-help or motivation. A life coach? Ha! I was alive already. Why did I need a coach for that? It wasn't until I was influenced by a different type of person that I decided to control the people who spoke into my life. Once I felt the reach and authority of Sheriff Joe RPO, I decided that the only other option wasn't such a bad idea. I took some time to find the people I respected enough to listen to, maybe because I was bullheaded or because I hadn't heard the right message yet. Either way, it wasn't until I heard the collaborative message of Dan Miller, Dave Ramsey, and Michael Hyatt that I really began to listen. These three, the Tennessee trio, began to help me reshape and rethink my life. It was with the help of these men that I learned that the work wasn't over. It was with the 48 days process that I came up with the idea that I could be anything, even a college professor. I'm going to stop there. You know, go, go check out that blog, August 28th blog on my site. You'll see a guest post by John Henderson and he continues to tell how he made that transformation. Just an amazing, amazing story. I I like that. The Tennessee trio, that's pretty cool. I'll, I'll pass that on to, to my friends, Dave Ramsey and Michael Hyatt, that we are now officially the Tennessee trio. Well, here's a note. And now this one, I'm, I'm not going to give the name because he asked that I keep it anonymous, but it's an amazing story. Dan, I just had my 25 year anniversary with the same company. While I know you typically say this can be a problem, my situation is a bit different. I received an AAS in engineering technology from a junior college, started working for a very large engineering construction company as a draftsman and model builder. Each of our projects run for two to four years or so. Each time a new project comes along, if you aren't pulling your weight, you don't make the cut for the new project. Shortly after I started CAD and 3D modeling were in demand and hand drafting and model building were extinct. So I made the transition. I loved being a model builder and miss it to this day. Over the years, there've been several times when systems were outdated, new technologies took over each time I made the change. Over the years, there've been times when I had to sit down with the new boss and essentially interview for my current position. Some people take this the wrong way. I like interviewing in competition with others who have a chip on their shoulder. It makes the decision pretty easy for the new boss. Even in an engineering discipline, you have to sell. The bottom line is when you work for the same company for many years, you have to do your best to keep up with the latest methods and stay current. 
So I taught myself Excel, Word, etc., the new CAD and 3D programs. There are parts of my job that I love and other parts I don't love. But when a $500 million project goes in without trouble, that's a feeling that's hard to beat. I've been listening to your podcast for nearly three years. During that time, my wages have gone from 120000 a year gross to $461,369 gross. I might not be your run-of-the-mill entrepreneur, but I've been using your techniques to help my career. I started as a drafter model builder, and I have worked my way to senior design engineer. Please see my attached W-2 screenshot and resume. And he says, please keep my name anonymous, which I'm happy to do. What an amazing story. Now, do I encourage everybody to be an entrepreneur, meaning run away from your current job and do something on your own and hope it works out? No, you never say, hear me saying that here. If you can find this kind of an opportunity within the company that you're already working for, my goodness, stay there, hold your head high and do it with excellence. Now, in as much yeah, you, you say that sometimes I talk about a long term with the same company can be a deterrent to new opportunities. Yeah, if you've done the same thing for 25 years, you have not. You've created all kinds of new opportunities within the same company during that 25 year period. Congratulations. I commend you strongly on what you've done. And to take your income and to see this number jump out at me here on your W 2. That means, yeah, it's ordinary income from a company. Income, $461,369.76. My gosh. I mean, that's awesome. Congratulations on doing that. Love your story. I've got one more. Hey, I'm going to squeeze in one more. I love these stories. And incidentally, you know, if you've got a success story you want to share here, I mean, we love hearing these and they're so inspirational and encouraging to others. I hear lots of people sharing about that, how your story inspired them. Hey, I can do that too. If, if David can get a product on Home Depot, my gosh, that little idea I've been toying with for five years on the side, I need to push forward with that. Anyway, if you've got a success story you want to share just go to 48days.com click on the podcast link you'll see an opportunity there to do it you can either do it by writing it out or use SpeakPipe, the little thing the microphone you see over there on the right hand side you can leave an audio message sometimes we squeeze those in as well or you can just shoot an email to ask dan at 48days.com i got one more i want to share here i love this story this comes from eli santana in gainesville florida who says dan I got the work that I love last month, thanks to your 48 Days to the Work You Love book, which I've listened to several times and read once. I added a twist to overcome age discrimination. Now listen to this. Eli says, I will be 72 next month. Number one, I created a cover page with the heading Administrative Support, offered by retired accountant and internal auditor. Available on contract or part-time basis, I then listed a sample of 17 of my strongest skills. Number two, I attached my resume as posted on LinkedIn. An executive recruiter had graciously helped me improve it. I met that generous person at a professional networking group meeting. Another creative thing I did during the interview with the owner of my now employer was the following. When he asked me if I had any experience with the accounting software his company was using, I replied no. However, I added, I watched several videos about the software on YouTube last night, and I'm willing to pay you with my service if you let me give it a try for a week for free. 
he immediately said, you are hired. You can start right now if you wish. And I did. I started immediately. I'm excited and happy. The working environment is perfect and I'm learning Sage 100 Contractor, which is a powerful software being used by home builders, contractors, and real estate in the U.S. and many other countries. My current employer gave me the key to their offices the first day and permission to install the Sage 100 Contractor software on my home PC as a backup, which is a sign of trust about my integrity that is amazing. Thank you, good Dan, for all you're doing for people around the world. Well, thank you for your sharing that success story, Eli. I love that. Yeah, we hear from lots of people who are 53 and say, well, gee, there's too much age discrimination. Nobody's going to hire me at 53 years old. Are you kidding me? You haven't conveyed clearly the benefits of bringing you on board. Eli did that with excellence. He'll be 72 next month. Boom, went out there, nailed perfect position, showed that he was trustworthy, showed that he was willing to give them value before they even had to pay him. And they said, you're our guy. You can start immediately. Okay. Are those the kind of stories we want to hear? Yeah. Well, you know that's true. Those are the stories that get us into that category. We are the champions. Let me get this phrase in. All right. With that, we'll move on. Thanks for those stories. Love to hear those. Never get tired of hearing the success stories where you all are creating a plan, taking action, changing into the future that you want. You know, we get a lot of people that ask, you know, can I really change my life in 48 days? And my response is always, Yes, you can, if you create a plan and act on it. Now, a lot of people want their situation to change. They wish it would change. They hope it'll change. They dream about a change, but they don't take action. I mean, there's a big distinction there. I mean, ideas, I mean, a lot of you have great ideas. Ideas are a dime a dozen. I mean, you've heard me say that. Ideas, don't put any money in your bank account. Execution does. Taking action does. The people you're hearing from here have taken action. You may be that close to joining their ranks by just simply taking action. Well, Jim says, I'm not sure how to proceed. I work 12 to 16 hours a day in a job I hate to provide for my family. I had a good paying factory job when I was just 18 years old. 10 years later, took a buyout because I hated working in a factory. After the buyout, I held a job I enjoyed, but I traveled way too much. Didn't get to see my family. I'm now back in a factory, making less money, working an awful rotating shift and working 12 to 16 hours a day. I can't go on like this. I can't find time to sort out options. I'm close to giving up. I'm lost with no hope. Well, Jim, surely you're not lost with no hope. You're just in an unfortunate circumstance temporarily. You got to create a plan to move out of that. Certainly get clear on what the ideal would be. Now, when, when you say that you don't have any time, you know, 12 to 16 hours a day is brutal. There's no question about it. No question about it, but we still are working with 168 hours a week, 168 hours. So, 
carve out an hour. I mean, I don't care if it's 30 minutes. Get clear on the ideal that you want. Then create a resume that positions you as a candidate for that ideal position. From there, you can do a job search. And you can do a job search with very minimal time. I mean, I know I talk about, you know, I'd love to have somebody spending 35 hours a week in a job search to really just knock it out of the park very quickly. But you can do a job search with two or three hours a week if that's all you have to dedicate to it. But be sure that you are doing something to create it. Be sure that you don't lose hope, that you don't lose your belief that there's a better future coming. Now, what I also want you to do, I want you to ask yourself, with the talents that you know you have, now you don't clarify much what those are, and I don't know, but ask yourself if you could create a position without having to get another job. And look for the blend of those circles that I talk about so much. Passion, talent, economic model. What would be the sweet spot? What would be the center, the intersection, the blending of those for you, your passion, your talent, and something that people pay money for? You may find that you can reduce your hours dramatically by doing something that has value for people. And it may not look like a traditional J-O-B. And I'm not sure. I don't know enough about your situation, but be confident. You have a lot of options out there. You can, in fact, do a job search. And get into something. It doesn't have to be a compromise where either you, you you work you know 12 hours a day, 16 hours a day in order to support your family. No. There are opportunities where I'm confident you could increase your income, work fewer hours, but you got to be real clear about your unique value so that you maximize what you're able to bring to the table. Well, I wish we could, I wish I knew more to give you more specifics on that. Um, this comes from WIT. Whit Johnson, halftime entertainer. This is a really cool story. He says a few years, he says, I'm a long time listener. Wanted to thank you for all your hard work. Great advice. A few years back, I decided I was going to be a basketball halftime entertainer. I moved all the furniture in my living room because it was winter and learned to ride a unicycle there. I worked out a routine, practiced for eight months and jumped into performing some free shows for local colleges. I began marketing myself for the next basketball season. I've seen some success performing for a few colleges and NBA teams. You can see my routine here. It's unihoops, unihoops.com. Now, let me tell you all, listen, this little demo that Witt has up of him on a unicycle doing a halftime performance is freaking outrageous. I could not believe it. I, I, I can't believe the things that you're able to do on a unicycle, the way that you juggle balls and shoot hoops. I mean, it's an amazing display. But, but what says it hasn't taken off as fast as I'd hoped for, but I'm still working on it. I seem to have tunnel vision on this idea as I can only see basketball half times as a viable market. I know that my talents can be adapted and applied into other venues and applications, but I struggle seeing the other options that are out there. My question is what books, resources, or ideas do you have to help me get my creative juices flowing to broaden out to other markets and applications? Now, again, what Wood is doing is on a unicycle, he does things that nobody can do standing on their two feet on a solid surface, but he juggles balls, shoots hoops. I mean, the, the performance that you have on your website, unahoops.com, is just astounding. No mistakes, no misses. I mean, I don't know if you had to edit 50 times to get that, but the performance you show there is just absolutely remarkable. Now, how do you expand what you're doing? Let me give you a couple ideas here. 
One is I want you to go to a site that, that is nurturemarketing.com. That's a process that I used very effectively to get myself corporate speaking opportunities, corporate workshop opportunities by identifying 80 to 90 companies that would be potential prospects for what I was doing. Then every month they would get something from me, a little note from me, some kind of a little gift. It put me high on their radar. Didn't happen overnight, but over a period of about six to eight months, I started booking myself really solid for very lucrative engagements, doing the workshops that I did for them. That's the same process that Kent Julian used to fill his speaking schedule. He identified the organizations that were likely to book somebody like him. And then he would contact him repeatedly. And over time it filled his schedule completely. So do that, but then you have to identify what would be other organizations that have meetings, even though it may be a, a sales organization that has weekly staff meetings where you come in and do that. I mean, I could see you coming into like Dave Ramsey's organization where every Wednesday morning they have Devo. It's about an hour and a half. They have speakers come in. Golly, to come in with a little inspirational message and do that. I could see you doing that. You know, if you combine what you're doing, just the, the physical display of what you're doing with a 15 minute motivational speech of some kind with a targeted topic for high schools, universities, colleges. And I can see you being booked and being in the category of people like Kent Julian, Grant Baldwin. You can check out what Grant is doing. Grant's in my mastermind, Josh ship, another sharp young guy. I just got a video from, I mean, those guys are doing presentations in colleges, getting paid very, very well for what they're doing. Incidentally. So check that out. Nurture marketing. Look at what some of these other guys are doing to uh, combine your performance with maybe a little message. I think you're going to be a hot commodity. Another resource I've got for you is Guy Kawasaki's book, Selling the Dream, how to promote your product, company, or ideas, make a difference. Selling the Dream by Guy Kawasaki. And that, that's like the motorcycle, K-A-W-A-S-A-K-I. Okay, Brian says, I'm going to change the name here because of what he wants to do. So anyway, we'll call him Brian. Hi, Dan. I really love organizational leadership. So I got a master's degree and worked for a few years in consulting first for a global firm and briefly on my own. I've also been blogging for a couple of years now. I recently joined a construction company as an in-house consultant. Unfortunately, okay, now let me back up here and give you the, the scenario again, because this is pretty critical he says, I love organizational leadership, got a master's degree. I've been blogging for a couple of years now. I recently joined a construction company as in-house consultant. Unfortunately, my employer told me I needed to take down everything in my site that solicited my services. And I was not allowed to be paid for anything, including writing and speaking, or I might say something I would say in my work role. This stings since they acknowledged my website was a contributing factor in hiring me. And I also contributed my own work in delivering high quality training. They also say it's an integrity issue since I might spend time working on my own projects or even just thinking about them. Is this legal? How would you respond? Oh my gosh, Brian, this is a horrible request. This is a horrible scenario that they're expecting you to do. I mean, it's unconscionable what they are asking you to do. 
when you come into something having already proven your value and already establishing yourself as an expert in the marketplace in the intellectual property field, and they tell you now to erase any evidence of that and only work for them, it's, it's totally, totally unreasonable. Now, whether it's illegal or not, I mean, you, you can't take that angle because if it's illegal and you bring that to their attention, you just lose your job. So you have to weigh, you know, how much you want to keep this position. But this is totally unreasonable, totally unreasonable. I mean, the, the, the best, best and brightest college professors are doing research, they're writing books, they're speaking, they're doing all kinds of things to build their own brand in addition to just being a college professor. I mean, the people who work for organizations, I mean, you could name any organization out there. You know, those are, they are people who recognize the value of building their own brand. I mean, look at what Michael Hyatt did. Now, Michael's very open about this. He was CEO of Thomas Nelson, the largest Christian publisher in the world. He was CEO. So you would think 100% of his efforts ought to be devoted to just that company, nothing outside. No, that would be ludicrous in today's environment. He built an amazing blog audience. I mean, he had, you know, a quarter of a million people reading his blog, his personal blog. Now, over time, he transitioned out of being CEO of Thomas Nelson. I mean, that company was sold to HarperCollins. Things change as they often do. And Michael was well known as a voice, but organizational and leadership development, he transitioned very easily into what he was doing. What you don't want to do is work for this company and you put in three years for them. And then all of a sudden they don't need you anymore. I mean, things change. And all of a sudden you're on the street and you're at zero. You have no identity, no brand, no backlog, no ongoing speaking opportunities. No, that's unreasonable to put you in that kind of position. If they want you 168 hours a week, then they need to pay you for 168 hours a week, not 40. What you need to do is give them good work for 40 hours. That's a reasonable agreement, but they cannot control the rest of the 168 hours. That's just totally unreasonable. I mean, this is, this is nuts. I mean, I, I cringe for how you're going to resolve this situation, but what they're asking is not reasonable at all. Man, I need to take a breather. Get me all riled up there. Well, anyway, if you got a question, I'd be delighted to hear it here. Just shoot your question in to askdan at 48days.com or go to the 48days site, click on the podcast link. You can leave it there. Or you can leave an audio message as well by just clicking on the little microphone, the speak pipe there. We'd be happy to consider your question for an upcoming episode of 48 Days Online Radio. Gene says... Dan, I was all set to go back to freelancing full-time in October. Had a budget set, have several steady clients I'm working with and a plan. Then Murphy came to visit. Now, you know Murphy. Murphy's law. If something can go wrong, it will. That kind of thing. You buy a new house, and the first day in the house, the air conditioner goes out. Well, anyway, she says Murphy came to visit. Gene says in quick succession, my desktop computer, laptop computer, and internet access all went wonky. Then my cat developed what looked like an abscess, but ended up being an inoperable tumor. All these situations have drained me financially and emotionally. My question is, how do you get back on track after you've been served a large order of barnyard fertilizer? Well, Gene, that barnyard fertilizer shows up in various forms and has 
variety of names as we are all aware. Yeah, it just happens. You know, it happens. You see that on bumper stickers where we get a large order of that barnyard fertilizer. So we can't orchestrate the perfect environment where the lights are all going to be green and we have no obstacles at all. However, here's the real key. Stay focused on your priorities. You can't let these obstacles redirect you. If obstacles can redirect you, you're going to be, I had a gentleman one time that says, I feel like a ball in a pinball machine. Well, that's what happens. You go this direction. Wow. Something happens. It shoots you off in another direction. Boom. Something happens. You don't want that. So you've got to be clear on your priorities. If your priority is to be freelancing full-time in October, then nothing can deter you from that. Go back and review Stephen Covey's seven habits of highly effective people. I mean, remember those? And he's one who talks about that a lot. If you are committed to your priorities, then obstacles cannot deter you and redirect you. Now, I hope it doesn't sound like I'm just giving some kind of lightweight, positive mental attitude, you know, lip service to this. But I mean, I I work with this. I mean, there's none of us that are immune to this backyard fertilizer that has a way of showing up. None of us are immune to that. I mean, my goodness, you know, in January, we experienced, you know, the rapid demise and ultimate death of Joanne's mother. I mean, the the time consumption in that 90 days was astronomical. Like I didn't have time to do anything else, just dealing with all the decisions that needed to be made in that period of time. I mean, so certainly we all have those kind of things. But let me just give you a quick run through. Again, a reminder of, of Covey's seven habits of highly effective people. Number one, be proactive. Don't just wait on things to show up. Take your own initiative. Begin with the end in mind. So you know your end goal is to be freelancing full-time in October. Boom. Stay focused on what the end goal is going to be. That's a short time frame. You can make it happen. Number three, in habits, put first things first. Four, think win-win. Five, seek first to understand, then be understood. Seven, synergize. That means use the efforts of other people, coordinate your efforts to get that effect that we talk about so much in the 48 Days community. A rising tide raises all ships. Link arms with people who are already doing what you want to do. You know, spend time with them so you're encouraged. Yeah, it can happen. Not a big deal. You don't need to, to freelance full-time. So we're not talking about you need to rent a building. You need to buy inventory. You need to get sign permits, hire employees. None of that. This is a simple transition. You want to be freelancing. Stay focused on that. Number seven, sharpen the saw. Stay clear on what it is you bring a value to the table. Over deliver to those clients you already have in place. Wow, you can do this. Make it happen. Keep us informed. Well, let me move on. Sandy says, now th- this was a blog. This was a blog that she put up, but uh, somebody reminded me, well, Jen McDonald, our social media director, reminded me that this would be a good one to share. And I love the, the, the point that Sandy makes here, and I'm going to share it real quickly. Sandy says, what a night that was. I woke up this morning from a God dream. Ever have those? It's when God sneaks into your dreams and speaks to you in the most personal way. In the dream, I was at the sanctuary with our Innovate 48 group from May. Sandy was here for that. She says, in the dream, there was a reunion of all the Innovate 48 groups from the past. Dan took us to a rock pit. In the rock pit, Dan asked us to bend down and scoop up a handful of rocks. Each rock had a thought or a precious memory 
from Innovate 48 written on it. When I was reading all the rocks in my hand, I saw lots of personal comments and pictures from other people. Dan was going around to each person in the group to select and share what was written on one rock. When it came my turn, I dropped all the rocks except one on the rock was written, exercise the wind reflex. Upon reading the rock, I woke up with those words resounding in my ear. What does it mean to exercise the wind reflex? You remember as a kid going for a physical and the doctor would take that little hammer and hit your knee, your leg would fly up. Then he'd take your arm and pop you up, pop pop you in the right place and your arm would pop without any effort. The wind reflex is the same. What are the little hammers hitting you? What is your response reflex to those? Is it to whine, complain, or quit? Your reflex to little hammers can be tuned to win. The wind reflex is recovered, recovery from any setback almost effortlessly. Exercise it. We are created to win. We have to exercise the win reflex when we have things that happen that seem like a loss, a setback, a delay, or a disappointment. I'm not sure it's as effortless as the reflexes that the doctor checked, but maybe it should be or could be. If we're in tune to our reflex to win, we may just find it is easier, natural, and effortless to do so. Well, I like that, especially in light of the previous question where when obstacles come along, if you have strengthened that muscle, your win reflex I've never heard that term. I love that. I love the dream that Sandy is sharing here about her time here. We do have lots of rocks on our properties. Incidentally, Joanna and I were working on a a little water feature right outside my office window just yesterday. We put in a new basin for that and um, we had, had our yard guys recreate it, but it just didn't have an artistic look. It was functional, but it wasn't artistic. Joanne has a natural eye for that. I love to help her in those projects. And so we were out here sweating and moving rocks last night. She went in and sat in a porch for about an hour trying to get up enough energy to get in the shower. We were so exhausted moving some really big rocks. But I take this very seriously. Sandy's dream about the rocks and the rocks she had in her hand telling her to exercise the wind reflex. What a cool thing. Thanks for sharing. Well, here's one I want to squeeze in here and I'm going to rush This comes from Sergeant Steve. Dan has been a huge influence on me when I first read No More Mondays back in 2008. I was in the Army looking to make a big change. Thanks to Dan's guidance, I was able to create and find a new career that has been amazing. Since starting my 48 Days journey, I've started a successful business, published a book, and I'm gaining more momentum every day. I'd love to share my story and how Dan's message helped me go from soldier to business owner. Pretty much a complete 180. If there's an opportunity, let me know. Well, and he goes on about that. Well, we love those opportunities for you to share your story. And I'd love to get a more detailed update from you, Steve. But this is a great time for me to also share something I've been talking about. And so many of you have asked me about. I told you that with the release of the new version of 48 Days to the Work You Love that will be coming out in January, the 10th anniversary edition, that I'm also creating eight monographs to go with that. Now, these are going to be uh, a monograph, incidentally, is just a, a written study of a single specialized subject. So I want a monograph to deal specifically with the needs of niche audiences that are in the 48 days community. One of those being somebody who is a recent military veteran. I mean, we know the challenges of going from military work back to civilian work. Others in that list include senior citizens. 48 days for the senior citizens, 48 days for somebody with a criminal record, 48 days for the recently retired, for the recent college graduates, for the disabled, for women who are reentering the workplace, a woman's guide to unexpected income needs, 
pastors and church staff who want to move to for-profit work. Those are all ones where we've gotten thousands of questions over the years. Now, here's the deal. I said that I wanted to enlist your help for that, and I do. And Ashley has us up and ready to go. We've created a page on 48days.net. It's 48days.com slash monographs. Just like it sounds, M-O-N-O-G-R-A-P-H-S, 48days.com monographs, where it gives an overview of those now nine topics where I want your help. If you transition from military work to civilian work, I want you to help us address the unique challenges. What opportunities are there? What companies are more open to those kind of people? And I have that. We have that for each of those nine topics. Now, when I put out a request for just updates for 48 days to the work you love, you guys were extremely generous. I got what would comprise over four entire books of content. And I'll probably develop that into some subsequent books in and of itself. But thank you for that. Now I'm asking for your help again. If you have input on any of those topics, if you're a housewife who got back in the workplace, maybe unexpectedly through a divorce or being widowed, you know, I want your information there. If you're, if you found that transition from being a college graduate with a fancy piece of paper in your hand, but challenged getting in the workplace, share your ideas about what you did there. We'll give you, you know, we'll give you credit. Uh, golly, I'll give you free books. I don't know exactly what we'll do yet, but we'll make sure that you're rewarded generously. And I want in your comments, each person, we would like to use a different color. And then, so we have your name and address, email address as well. So we can stay in touch with you, but we are opening the doors for those monographs that I think are going to be extremely important to the 48 days community and beyond for those niche audiences. So that's a way that you can help us. Again, the site is simply 48 days.com slash monographs. Thanks to Ashley, my daughter for helping me get that set up in a way where we can, where you can see what other people have contributed as well. When I've done this before, I've been, I've done it in an awkward way where I have hundreds and hundreds of pages to go through here. If you can see that somebody has already referenced the same site or has the same idea, maybe we can get a little more uh, congruity in how I'm able to put that all together. Let me do one more real quick. This is going to be quick and I need to come back to this. Dan, I've read your books, have great success finding jobs. However, my issue is I get a great job. Three months later, I'm bored to tears every time. I've done everything from sales to production management. Nothing seems to satisfy me. I stay miserable for a year, then make another move, hoping to find things that drive me. I'd love to work for me instead, but I have no clue in what I could do. Have very little money to invest in a startup. How do I find what I'm passionate about? Well, Jared, you can go to my blog for Monday that would have been August the 25th and look at why you can start a business with no money. I've got that outlined there. And also what I would encourage you to do, I mean, if you're somebody who likes change, embrace that about yourself, expect it, anticipate it. But what you've got to do then is either recognize you're going to be changing jobs or what I've done for me being wired in much the same way is I've created a business with seven different elements in it. So I'm never doing the same thing two days in a row. I've built in the change that I want. And then every year I'm eliminating 15%, adding a new 15%. And it's specifically because I understand what I know about me. I'm creating the change that I need to have to keep me from getting bored in what I'm doing. Well, 
great questions as always. Thanks so much for being part of this community. Uh, I love each of you and what you're doing and the way that you so willingly share and contribute. As together, we are finding or creating work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable.